0: Talking so that I don't uh, have too thick a southern accent today.
1: Well, if I can use the C word a lot more if I do it with a British accent because they use that word like the.
2: No, <laughs> we're alive. No.
0: And that I'm is probably not that. the word we want to lose. Not you. even the C. The.
1: <laughs> and so, so, what is your British accent, Ranger Nick? Oh, well, I mean, I guess I could do multiple ones. Depends on which Doctor Who season I'm watching, whatever. Not bad.
2: So, uh, rumor has it that R. Max Tilsley, Robert, that Aussie guy, is actually not really from Australia because Australia is a myth. The flat earthers tell us that it is a um, government conspiracy to hide the flat earth. So, he actually lives on an aircraft carrier.
0: Everything kills you.
2: No, he actually lives on an aircraft carrier with all the other crisis actors.
3: Yeah, that's why you can't see any land behind me. This is all just a stage.
2: All right, so that's one heck of an intro. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, We're going to read the intro now, Saskia. Calm down. So, uh, hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. Time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies, a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So, without further ado, let's go back to talking to Robert because he sounds cool.
3: Tell me, Chaps. There you go. Rather.
2: So, uh, do you suddenly feel the urge to drink hot tea, everyone? No, it's just me. Do they do that in
3: Australia or is that just British? Um, well, I actually spent a couple of years over in the UK, so I brought back the tea habit. Mm-hmm. Earl Grey? English breakfast, chaps. English oh, breakfast. Wait, wait, that wait, is wait, a good
0: wait, one. Wait, wait, wait. But is it Fortnum and Mason?
3: Oh, I, I can't afford such things as that.
0: Well, Jordan and Mason used to be very hard in the States to get a hold of because they got a little upset when people in Boston tossed it into a harbor. <laughs> well,
1: well you the know, insurance would have been terrible. Oh, well, that's what? what happens when you raise the tax 2% on a breakfast beverage that isn't coffee. <laughs> We would have shot
2: sooner if it had been the coffee. But so, Robert, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the audience? We've, we've talked a little bit about obviously you're from Australia, the land that may or may not exist.
3: Well, uh, everything you know, it, wants to us. It, everything exists somewhere, doesn't it? <laughs> the multiverse is real, so let's rock that. That's what we say. Uh, yeah, so I'm from Australia. I'm an author who's. Uh, I've sort of mainly focused on what I call upper middle grade. So that's like uh, kids 10 years and up and adults who think that they're kids 10 years and up.
0: Oh, so Nick's maturity level. (laughs) Yeah.
3: He's not denying it.
2: Let's move on. (laughs) uh, I've got pictures (laughs) in it. I'm I'm sold.
3: I say I have two cats and two kids um, as to which cause more trouble. Well, you know, it depends (laughs) on the day. Debatable.
1: I got three kids and two dogs. It's a
0: mixed
3: bag. <laughs> All right.
2: So you also write a little bit of sci-fi sometimes when you want to be a grown-up.
3: Ooh. <sighs> what a yes, story. yes. So I, have, I have an adult science fiction as well, uh, The Last Cruise Ship. And uh, occasionally I, I force myself to actually write short stories which aren't short, but they're meant to be short. So do we call them short?
2: If they identify as short. If
3: they tend to push.
1: <laughs> So,
2: all right. So,
3: Hobbit. So
1: it doesn't really matter.
0: <laughs> I know. It's cute. I need somewhere to rest my coffee when we hang out.
1: Just don't Ooh. do it on my head. I, I mean, I'll, I'll hit a lady.
2: <laughs> I <laughs> okay, thought you were just going to say
3: right. it was a bit too round. Thank gotcha. you. Got to put so them on the these broad shoulders.
2: Part, <laughs> <laughs> the second part of the introduction, dear listeners, we talk about how we first met them. So since I happen to know, well, you know what, I don't know, but I actually first met Robert through the uh, s- listeners of the Dead Robot Society podcast uh, and their Facebook group where we talked about writings and stuff. Uh, and then we joined the same writing group and we've been talking for a
3: few moons. So, That's why our voices sound really rough.
2: Yeah, because he's put up with me and it's just driving him slowly insane. <laughs>
0: I understand that. How many years are you in on this?
1: Ouch. <laughs> I'm wounded. You wound me. i know JR for six months. I want to strangle him.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's it's a proven fact I'm the reason he drinks. <laughs> <Me>?
3: <laughs> so what we're saying is COVID's kept you alive because no one can get near you. That's right. <laughs> Assassins oh. aren't cheap.
0: <laughs> Correlate. There
2: they monitor the dark web too much these days, so it, it protects me. <laughs> so, uh, Doc, how did you first find out about Robert? You got a cool uh, story?
0: You, it's it's kind of a song we've sung before. It's hey, sounds good. There's this really cool person. You should check them out.
2: I bet Nick could come up with a better story than that. What she said?
0: Oh well, uh, well, you yeah. didn't you tell me that I can't <laughs> move to Australia because it would be too difficult to schedule on a. Uh, come course. on, like anybody
1: that like. Does writing that doesn't involve pictures with it? I'm like a complete noob to it, you know. So, I get like my book collection has grown exponentially since I you brought me onto this.
0: So, from like monstrosity. what, one to five? Huh? One to
1: five? Yeah, you, t- you talk a lot of smack. I wanna, I'll show you a picture of my bookshelf. Yeah, you don't want to look at the pictures of the books six that he's reading. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. He, he's reading the articles, I swear. <laughs>
1: No, they stopped putting nudies in there, so like, why? I don't even read the articles anymore. It's like,
3: come on, that the nudies. Once upon yeah, a time,
2: we had a, a podcast co host who would like make up funny, ridiculously absurd stories about it. and I was hoping you could carry the torch, but Doc was well, like, you nope, gotta let you gotta me let know pre
1: show so I have a little bit of time to prep. I can make up some stuff, but not on the fly. I mean, I'm not a writer.
2: All right. So, whoever has the next most important question, I have my mouse over the kick button. Let's do
3: this.
1: (laughs) All right. Let's talk religion:
3: Star Wars, Star Trek, or
1: Firefly.
3: Now, you see, last time I I think I I copped out and said Doctor Who. Um, But what I want to do this time is like some evil, evil, what I call Shimmer, and you might call like Chimera, depending on how you pronounce it. I want the budget of Star Wars, the longevity of Star Trek, and Firefly's heart. Yes, oh I God. like that.
0: So well, now that you man, have ordered crazy. up the unicorn of TV shows, <laughs> I think we should just talk about on 5.
1: I'm surprised
2: we
0: do not hate
1: email about not putting Battlestar Galactica in that question. I mean, I we could always was... change
2: the question, but it's just the triumvirate was three. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Battlestar Galactica makes it four.
0: B.S.G. is amazing.
3: I, I've got to go things? with B.S.G. Over, over Battlestar Galactica. I love the sets. I love the actors in Battlestar Galactica. I felt the story sort wait, of wait. lost its which way. Which
0: Battlestar Galactica,
3: though? Uh, the the modern. Um, the old okay. movie-style thing I remember and sort of loved. And I actually have, a, I think, a book that was a novelization um, of it, which was sort of cool. It, it's oddly kiddy, um, from what I remember. Uh, this is you know, 30 years ago, so... Um, but, yeah, it was, it was sort of cool. But, yeah, no, um, Babylon 5, ongoing plots, you know, serious politics, really dodgy, really dodgy CGI, but, yeah, it was still cool.
1: I agree. And because we're polytheistic, I think I said that right, I don't know, I've had a few cocktails before the show, <laughs> Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings... Or
0: yeah.
1: what, what, was sorry,
0: what was that last one?
1: Who was it Harry? The Potter verse. <laughs> Come on, it's Star
3: Wars with crappy lightsabers. I've said this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, think, I think Harry Potter manages even more wish fulfillment than, um, than Star Wars does. Well, um, And, and that's saying something.
0: As much. Obviously, you haven't
1: <laughs> seen my living room,
3: sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, he plays with dolls. I, I, I'm going to steal a little bit of, of what I did last risk. time. Um Game of Thrones is really cool because of the actual feeling of risk, because there was character risk. Um because I think that him. was cool. Exactly. But no, so having a bit of that's cool. And the world building, though, in Lord of the Rings, I think, beats Game of Thrones to me, hands down, on that front. Um, And, like, the part of me really does like the little bit of wish fulfilment in Harry Potter. I just, you know, it's a, you're a wizard, Harry! And look, you know, the the 12-year-old in in me can't help but enjoy that. So, yeah. I think if you threw in a a bit of the Game of Thrones darkness, get the depth of Lord of the Rings and, you know, just that wow factor from that little bit of Harry Potter, to me, that would be like the ultimate fantasy. That would be cool. I'm on board with that. That would be.
0: I just actually realized something. That question is a very British question. Game of Thrones was essentially based off War of the Roses. Tolkien was written by a British guy uh well Tolkien was a British guy so Lord of the Rings was British so is Harry Potter
3: I'll give you an American thing then because what really got me going in fantasy was um and I hope he's American otherwise it's going to sound stupid but Magician by Raymond D. Feist okay oh yeah
0: I think he Um,
3: it certainly aged a little bit but uh uh, he, he just created this amazing, I wouldn't say world, there's multiple worlds. It's actually um, a, a fascinating mixture of standard fantasy, but also a little bit of portal fantasy built in. Um, and sort of the series go on and, and get a little bit drawn out. Um, but there's some amazing books. And he did um, the Daughter of the Empire series with uh, Jenny Wurtz, um, which are just absolutely fantastic as well.
1: Well thought out answer. Oh, beautiful answer. I almost forgot the next question. So I'm going to wrap it up and put a bow on it shortly. Put a bow on it? Okay. Yeah. Wait, waiting on the bow. No, I'm
3: just kidding. <laughs> no, do you have more to say about it? Or I, I can go on if, if you want. I, I, <laughs> on page five, it says no. <laughs> All good. <laughs> oh, uh, we, we like to have fun here,
1: kids. We really do. And we have and we have great hosts, too, that love to play along, which is the best part. Uh, we here at Blasters and Blades podcast like both the fantastical and the scientific. Uh, which was your first love, sci-fi or fantasy?
3: Ooh, I think fantasy first. And that's because um, the red box set of Dungeons and Dragons, um, my brother got it. And being the, he was three and a half years older. And so I sort of got introduced to it by him and it was just absolutely captivated me. And, and then like, I wasn't a big reader as, as a kid, um, as a young kid. And then, uh, a, a teacher I had a fantasy book called *Master of the Grove* and did it as a class book, and that just caught me. And, and from there, I sort of rolled on to um, Anne McCaffrey's *Dragon Riders of Pern Gosh. books, which some may say are sort of also science fiction, but, they are but I'm going to—they are, they are. But but to be fair, <laughs> I think that there's um, fantasy is the underlying theme she for certainly her the her first set of books. World. Yes, it is, but it's still fantasy. It's awesome.
0: if, it, if it has a dragon, all right.
1: Are, are we
3: going to talk about Star film Wars? That
1: whether I that's right. sci-fi or fantasy? Then, actually, I categorize Star Wars as a western. <gasps> I no, mean, so I don't watch westerns. You can't make me Roberties think that. properties
0: are western.
1: It's it, it, actually Star Wars has so much going on there. It's sci-fi. It's fantasy. It's a western. It's a samurai film. There's some Ronin stuff going on up in there. That's why I love Star Wars so much. And that's why it looks like Lucasfilm threw up in my living room.
0: (laughs) You know, at first, I did not believe he was a Star Wars fan because he doesn't cry.
1: I cry. He just won't show you. (laughs) I just don't like stubbing my toe that much. (laughs)
2: You ain't right. We like you, but you ain't right. I know
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm not right. <laughs> I'm drinking out of a baby Yoda cup.
1: <laughs> a yeti.
2: All right. So, uh, did he already answer the uh, love of what does he love about it?
0: No,
3: gonna... no, no. <laughs> no so that that's to the, the it. next question. <laughs> well, are on it. It gives sure. me big hard. He want to uh, trade
0: questions? It's not my I know fault. it's
1: it's hey I'm I'm a rookie on the blues on the blue lines here, so give me a break.
3: <laughs> what do you love about the uh, fantasy as a genre? Oh I think magic itself, I know you can get fantasy that's not heavily magic based, but but I love um, just the possibilities when, when you throw away um, the laws of physics monsters I, I i absolutely love monsters i, I grew up reading um you get these sort of semi-educational books in the, in um, the school library, which were essentially just these fantastic illustrations of monsters and people fighting dragons. I remember this, um, this one of this knight in spiked armor, fighting a dragon in a river. Some might recognize that the mythology reference in that one. Um, and uh, now sort of being someone who wears armor, I'm like that is so <laughs> impractical, but it just looked absolutely <laughs> amazing. and, and, and I just—I've always loved medieval things. Um, so, me too. like, it was sort of—I'm just going to make a lot of people hate me, but um, I, I started reading urban fantasy much later, and like, I, I quite enjoy it. But it just my, when you say fantasy, my head just drops right into that um, Western medieval sort of concept, just because that—that's what I was steeped in. Um, you know, and then yeah, you throw in the castles, knights medieval weapons and armor and you know i'm just drooling
0: it's awesome so what kind
3: of armor <laughs> yeah. do you wear so um I do, uh, i'd have to, to pull one up um I, i'm sure i've got it somewhere so um i do both modern longsword fencing which oh, cool. is quite different um from your sort of you know olympic um Epe fencing and all that sort of stuff. Uh, we wear heavy, heavy padding, and then also I've got um, splintered um, armor with brigandine, um, oh. which, which is because we do um, sort of medieval shows as well, um, fighting with steel weapons. So you're sort oh, of you steel and
0: thrust. That's cool. So, yes, I'm fun. a big, big sword dork. <laughs> I did the oh, SCA and I did fencing w- through that, and uh, dabbled a bit in heavy fighting.
3: So. I, I, I just love it, it It's weird because I, I Yeah, bruises and all the rest of it But it's it's still fairly safe compared to a lot of sports And uh, it, it's The one-on-one aspect the, the mental strategy that it goes in It, it just, yeah I absolutely can't get enough
2: Alright, give me a second And I will find some pictures of him in the sword ring <laughs>
3: meet <laughs> <coughs> right, me and me armor it just looks like it, it's the, this poor metal is straining to hold my massive body in it's like help
1: me, <laughs> help, me help me I'm only steel That's
2: I was going to yeah,
3: be
1: an right. adventurer and then I took an arrow to the knee
2: it's true oh, he did and then he fell on his hip
3: oh god <laughs> well, <laughs> I have half
1: all kinds of
0: black and blue. Oh, look yeah, at yeah. you! Oh, dude, I love your aventail.
1: <laughs>
3: Thank you. An
0: and your pauldrons.
2: I'm gonna Aldrin. smile
0: yeah. at night.
3: So, and that—that's with part of the armor. So I make um, pretty much all the armor I can. Not—not not the helmet, <laughs> that. But, but I do my own arms and legs and, there, and yeah. So it's, yeah. Uh, I, I made um, chainmail, this um, chainmail top, and I was going, "This is brilliant! This is brilliant!" I thought I'd make it really defensive. I'm using really good stainless steel, um, 304 stainless steel. It's really, really tough. Make, 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 and then start to put on after I've done a ho- you know years or so's worth of work. It's so heavy, so <laughs> heavy. It was utterly, utterly overmade. I was like, "Yeah, no, okay, that um, wasn't a good idea."
0: But it's pretty. So it's so pretty. There's, there's. A st- uh, Chainmail that's made for divers who are going into sh- water uh, and swimming sure, Usually, yeah, yeah. But I know a bunch of people who started wearing it for fencing and armor in the SEA. So.
2: You see this one? This is his other one with his other yeah. outfit.
0: I know, but I'm partial to the green and gold because it reminds me of Outlands.
3: Well, the, the green and gold is the surcoat that I wear over um, <laughs> over the other kids So. Um, so under that green and gold is the um, all, all the hard work when you've you know made special triangular um, sets for holding um, the the rivets uh, the rivets holding the plates in all looks utterly beautiful lots of craftsmanship and then you put something over the top so you can't see it. Yep.
2: About what right. a shame! What a shame that they would hide there that
0: is out of his depth on this one.
2: <laughs> I smile and nod and just know what I don't know. But. Okay. Speaking of what I don't know, let's ask him a question we don't know the answer to. So, what is your first memory of science fiction or fantasy as a genre? Was it watching it? Was it reading uh, books in the genre? Playing r- the RPG with your brother? Where did you discover the genre of sci-fi and fantasy, otherwise known as speculative fiction?
3: <laughs> it really was. I think in in D anD um, the after the Red Box set, um, a friend of the family gave us. The advanced DD players uh, monster manual and Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, they're, they're old and battered and we, you know, we had never seen Advanced Dungeons and Dragons before. And just the monster manual going through and seeing all these creatures, uh, which are, you know, uh, let's be honest, a sort of like dodgy ripoffs mostly of mythology and other weird stuff, but it was just absolutely enthralling. Um, and then, yeah, sort of. Once I got into to high school and, and started reading, then I just I couldn't get enough of both fantasy um, novels, as I said, like you know Raymond E. Feist and and Jenny Wirtz and, and a whole slew of others. And then science fiction also started grabbing me because I think that there's a lot more written for older audiences in science fiction, whereas fantasy um, is really big um, when you're looking at, at younger kids.
2: So with the D&D, did you guys have that whole satanic panic come to Australia or was that just an American thing with D&D um, going to make you worship the devil and stuff?
3: It was much stronger in the US. There's, um, they're very, There are very obvious if subtle cultural differences, um, but uh, my brother did get the Palladium role-playing game, which had, um, I think it was rules for insanity, and that definitely caused some um, awkwardness with the family, <laughs> but, but no, otherwise it was, it was all good. It was just, you know, whether or not you're playing with people that, that were good to play with, or, you know, a, a few of them, um, with interesting personality types, but the actual, um, th- there wasn't a big cultural issue around. What there.
1: class do you like to play with when you're doing that Like with D D?
3: So my favorite <laughs> one is the sorcerer because the the whole thing of ha- of the memorized spells and then not being able to cast it again, I, I know that sort of tied in. There was some very early fantasy novels that sort of had that sort of thing as well. I that was never my sort of thing, but I loved having the sorcerer because um, once we had um, people try and assassinate our group in a in a castle that, that we were sleeping at, and we were okay, we, we've. We've killed them, right? We're all alive. And I was, well, what do we do? Because, you know, we're, we're theoretically trying to pretend that we're um, working with the people in, in in the castle. So I was like, okay, well, I've, I'm a sorcerer. I can create some acid. There's a bath here. Let's dissolve these bodies in acid and pretend it never happened. I
1: absolutely <laughs> love that answer.
3: <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love that. So I, I like fighting with a sword in real life, but but I love magic. Um when i'm role playing oh
1: that's great especially when you're creating acid baths to dissolve your victims which is awesome
3: i gotta say that was well before breaking bad so you know i did it first there you go so how did your love it, thing-
2: it's his. that's how this works No take you away.
0: The acids.
2: you're talking to the analytical chemist she's going to be like i'm oh, getting all twitchy about about chemicals now <laughs>
0: You know, just because we were talking about it at work today.
1: <laughs> so
2: we how
1: must be so weird at your job.
0: What <laughs> <laughs> this souls
2: the body faster. All right. So how did your love of speculative fiction as a wide genre transition into your writing stories in it?
3: I think it, it's so fundamental because you come across, you know, i as a lover of reading it to begin with and role-playing and then, you know, movies um, begin to sort of sit there and filter into the back of your brain um, and, and, you know, giving you really strong visual references. And so I think over time, what sort of really happened is um, I've been steeped in that medieval side of fantasy. And so that, that sort of comes in um, with a love, but then um, I just often, there'll be something where I'll go, Oh, yeah, I've always loved this idea, but then I just start to think, but what if it was a little bit different? How would I do that? And that sort of um, having sort of learnt a little bit about some of the earlier English history and um, when you go pre-medieval, um, that tends to sort of play in a little bit um, into there. And I, I come from an IT background as well, so when I'm doing science fiction, um, sort of, all the things that I've seen in science fiction, um, you know, or or read and I'm sitting going, no, no, that, that wouldn't work. It can't be like that. Um, it tends to fit in then because I like to, um, to twist it into my own internal logic and then throw that out into my writing. And I'm sure someone else will read my stuff and go, no, no, it couldn't possibly work that way. But that's, that's like the circle of creativity, isn't it?
2: I will I give that. that answer an A. I agree. So, um, many authors let their own real world, real life experiences influence the stories they tell. So, were there any specific formidable moments that uh, really shaped you as a storyteller? Was it when the drop bear almost ate your face, or did your you know baby <laughs> get eaten by a dingo,
3: or like lay oh, it the, on? The, there's definitely been been a few things. Um, I. Um, was living by myself before I turned 16 and so I have um, like authority and structures and things like that um, w- within my, my characters I suppose that has to play out in that I don't love that that control and structure there and yet the same token um, at that age I was sort of saved in a way by there being a bureaucracy that 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 um, that gave me a chance to continue schooling and all the rest of that. So I think w- within my, within my storytelling, th- th- there's both this railing about against structure, but also seeking to improve it in a way. Um, so that there's this conflict that that goes through um, in my head that, that that's definitely there. Um, but also like as a kid, I think, you know, those moments dealing with, you know, like bullies and, um, yeah, you know, or just weirdos on the street. Uh, it sort of it created within me a, a very sort of defensive mindset sometimes, and, and also that desire to to, to help people. So I had you know friends that were picked on and things like that, and it sort of helped that. I, I certainly had bullies too, but I wasn't a small kid, um, and I, I think I found that this uh, you know weird savior complex within me, and I think that sort of sometimes t- uh, goes through um within some of my characters, uh, often they don't realise that they want to do that. But as you sort of you know bash off all the, the rough edges um, by putting them through utter misery, um, that desire to, to sort of save people, to, to save the world or whatever sort of ends up coming through. And I'm sure that that comes from, from my upbringing. Um, I don't know cancer probably gave me that, you know, you might as well do things now um don't put things off so that that's why she just manages to to get me writing when I don't feel like it (laughs) and you you know you you can't do anything if you're not actually writing
2: do you think Um, that's why you gravitate towards the kids books right now
3: it's there's this really weird thing I, I mainly did the kids books because I just got really annoyed at um reading some some books to my daughter. And I, I've read, um, cl- my eldest, I, I've read all sorts of classic ones and newer ones, but a lot of books that have female protagonists are uh, either the protagonists are quite passive or the books aren't very action-oriented. And so just that really annoyed me. I was like, right, I'm going to write the book that I want her to be able to read. Um, and so, you know, that, that came out with um, The Steel Trap, the, the first Susie Steele book. Um, it, was, it was just that sort of reaction And then that then led I, I love, I don't know if any of you have ever Seen the movie Invasion of the Body Snatchers There's been about like five remakes I like the one with Sutherland With Donald said, Sutherland <clears throat> Yes, sorry I just had a, a frog in the throat That's what happens here in Australia oh, I thought I said something off <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> no, Donald Sutherland We don't speak about Donald Sutherland here Um but um, he was actually killed in the notice, that just ha- ha- Has this cool thing of you know people being replaced, and the people are the same sort of, but not quite. And that whole um, just weirdness around uh, people not being quite what you think they are, or you think they're not—is it all in your head? That sort of thing just built up, and I threw in a bit of um, bit of the Terminator. Because I love robots and, and things like that as well, and um, just I couldn't let the idea go. So that became rebirth, and it's like, oh, wait a second! I've now written two books um, <laughs> that are for this age group, and then yeah, we'll, we'll get on later as to to the cause of brains. But it's sort of just flowed that way. But but I do like writing for for adults as well. I, I have other projects that are in that big pile of to be done. No, I
1: mean, there's nothing. I mean, even adults can enjoy. The age rage of which you, um, which is your demographic in some of these books. Um, I just ordered Brains for me and my son, yeah. Um, so we could read it together because he likes zombies and he, he loves to read. We just gave him Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and he tore through that in a couple of days.
3: Oh, fantastic! So,
1: so you give us something to, to kind of bond a little bit more. And, and I'm not, I do enjoy reading outside of the comic book form,
3: so yeah. Well, it is like. There's an odd thing, like a well-written middle grade, it's a bit like a, um, a lot of a, uh, quite old adults read YA, but you also have it with middle grade where if it's a good story, it's, it, it becomes a, just a nice, easy, fun read, Yeah. Um, and you can just enjoy it. You know, I, I've done that a ton reading to, to my own kids, and when I was a teacher, I loved reading class books for that sort of reason. If you have a good book, it doesn't matter really who it's aimed at. It, it's a good book. It's fun.
1: Yeah, good story is a good story. I mean, mm-hmm. it really doesn't have a, an age criteria, you know? Maybe some of the themes might get a little too dark and they don't get it. But, you know, overall, a good story is a good story. I agree with you 100%. Mm. Okay. Siska, you're muted. Or, or
0: Sorry, I was muted. I was coughing earlier, so I muted myself. But uh, Harry Potter is actually sold in the children's section. And... um but your story of why you started writing because you wanted to see a certain kind of story for your kids to read is also why David Weber wrote a YA series. So, yeah, it's uh, starts with a beautiful friendship, it's about Stephanie Harrington, so honor Harrington's ancestor who first discovered the tree cats. So, it's that's that very good. really good. So, and it's you know, yeah, like you guys were saying, any the age if it's a good story it doesn't matter the age people will enjoy it so
3: absolutely
0: and my I'm kids laughed
1: at me, me because be i was reading books. books you
0: know i have um, the complete set i need to finish it well, I, I was think. like the hulk
1: and ragnarok i'm like greek mythology <laughs> big monster <laughs>
3: <laughs> can't go wrong
1: yeah, absolutely not, you know, and I enjoyed the hell out of those books, too.
3: Mm-hmm. Very good.
0: Okay. Jared. Well, this is where we will,
2: well, it's actually your question, but we will awkwardly pause where he can <laughs> say something super Australian for our listeners.
3: G'day, mate. How's it going? <laughs>
2: Let's throw another shrimp on the barbie. <sighs> One way to fill an awkward pause and now we will get the hate mail from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how we talk, you wanker. <laughs> Well, oh, okay. I can try a South finished African finished?
0: <laughs> No, so, I
1: have to work on my Australian one.
0: To transition away from uh writing, uh what let's talk about things from your fan the fan angle. Have you had any really cool fan art or somebody cosplay one of your characters yet?
3: I, ha- I have um received fan art from um from a kid that, and, and it just it, it was really cute. It's really cute. Um I may not be up on on the wall of a of an art gallery, but, but it was absolutely beautiful. But most of my characters actually just wear ordinary clothing. So and my daughter once went dressed up as Susie Steele, and that's a that's a private school um character. So in um a, you know, red jacket, uniform, and all that sort of thing. And then um, uh, I'll I'll call it a wand. They're not a wand in the stories, but but a wand as well to to go along. So so that that was cute.
0: That's awesome. I'm glad she's supportive. Uh, has anyone asked you for your autograph in public, away from a book signing or a convention?
3: I think. How would you put it? Away from any sort of event, I'm about as anonymous as you know that old bubble gum you get that's really ground into the sidewalk and is that sort of oh, gray brown. <laughs> He's rolling incognito, and I dig that.
1: that so that's why actually, a lot of people write at like. So we can be quasi-famous, but yet anonymous at the same time? Because nobody knows what we look like. We're not actors. So We're creators.
2: When, when he was actually at one of those sword events, they weren't actually trying to stab him. They just wanted him to sign their sword. So that counts.
1: <laughs> and then he gave him cold, hard steel through the forehead.
3: Bang. Right. Yep. No, when we've succeeded in doing that, that's when it goes wrong. You know, when, when the person's <laughs> dropped down, and you oh, okay, this doesn't look right. You open up the, the helmet and the blood's pouring out. And you're like, oops. oops. Did I do that?
0: Oops.
3: Sorry.
2: <laughs> I wonder what that conversation with the ER doc is going to look like.
3: like Tell me again how this happened.
2: Sword, you <laughs> say.
3: A, a couple of years ago, we had a guy um, who, who got done just they The went, sword went through the eye slit and went just above his eyebrow. Um, and so, yes, he turned up, had to go to the emergency room. Um, Just and stitches he has Turned up in his armor <laughs> because we had to get him there <laughs> right away. Did the doctor say, "Doth
2: thou even lift, bro"? <laughs> I know JR doesn't. My oh, understanding
3: oh. Is, is they loved it. The emergency room loved it.
2: Outstanding. That's well, awesome. I mean, if you can make them happy, what else can you ask for, right, Doc? I would have said, "Hey, I,
3: there was this bright
1: blue portal looking thing. I, I stepped through it. I'm bleeding.
0: Help!" Me. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to go to the psych ward, dude. The, the yeah, but if you're dressed in
1: armor, you might as well have some fun with it, even in the midst of an emergency. <laughs> all I'm saying is the word had never, good cooking. Never what? Never pass over a good opportunity for a good joke.
3: Just you know, in the um in the movies, anytime there's an injured person they way he's like sitting there with scissors cutting away the clothes. Just yeah. trying them. Imagine them trying on this chain mail. <laughs> it's oh,
0: not, yeah, trying to show not it. go work. through
3: chain mail at all. I knew somebody
0: <laughs> who had everybody in his group. His household had to have instructions, had instructions on how to quick release him from armor or anybody's armor because they will cut through armor.
3: Yeah. Or equivalent smart, of actually. it, the leather. Yeah. yeah. Don't hurt my stuff to you know how much this cost.
0: <laughs> I do. I have three hundred and fifty cat dollar gauntlets, articulated gauntlets. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, but have
2: yeah. you slapped somebody with them to challenge them to a duel for their honor?
1: <laughs>
2: I,
0: I have slapped I them. Mean, I did not challenge them to a duel with their honor, but I did you slap did, them. You, just,
1: you can just slap me with them just for fun. <laughs> I, <laughs> We're I, gonna
0: keep a fan
1: the rating for this episode since he writes kids books.
0: Next Dragon Con.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: Okay. But you do write books and you, have you ever <laughs> started, spotted somebody reading one of your books out in the wild?
3: that's <clears throat> most of my books uh, because they're for middle grade so they're, they're, they're read by by kids so um, I, I generally don't you know um, hang around kids too much beyond um, the family ones so really it's, it's more that I get you know through social media um, you know, you know, comments around people like it and you know and, and you know, adults as well going all right I know it's for my kid but I really enjoyed it too
0: that's great. So what is the weirdest, funniest? Hold on. I
2: just want to point out that out in the wild means a whole lot different when you're talking about Australia where everything wants to
3: kill you. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So there was this kangaroo once, right? And I had my foot pulled right,
1: right <laughs> out of his <laughs> I, I just, the, the, my favorite part of like the Australian like animal life is the huntsman spider because they just like turn up everywhere apparently.
3: And they're, just, like, make themselves at home, and they're apparently pretty gentle, I guess. I don't know. They're, they're sort of, util, you know how um, we domesticated cats-ish, right? So they're there in your house, you know, and they, they take your stuff, and they let you live there. Um, Huntsmen are sort of like that in that um, they can get quite big, and that, usually they'll just skid away from you. But what they do is eat little bugs and things. So they're sort of like, you know, rats eating mice around your home but yeah you don't want one crawling across you it's not a pleasant experience no so, no so There's are big chi- giant
1: scary kaiju looking things so. <laughs> but i do I, I like my bucket list item is to go to australia i want to see a huntsman spider i want to you know dive the great barrier reef i, I just i've read so much about australia growing up cuz it's just it's pretty much it's like european texas is what i used to call it <laughs> Yeah. Incognita. it's like okay cool yeah, no yeah but we're gonna do our own thing and we're just gonna be some just we just awesome need to have a dude. picture
0: of nick with european texas on it <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i can't do the accent uh it, it baffles me but like there's so many cool things i want to see there you know and i don't want to mess with a kangaroo because they look like just roided up rats you know so yeah so there's yeah, actually especially
3: a- the males um <laughs> Yeah, they're it's quite aggressive, aren't right? they? They're all pretty good. Uh, not really. I mean, it, it probably depends on you know the, the time of the year and the area. I've certainly never had one cause of many issues. Uh, just I'm as just a going, general rule, you, you have, you have the grass and leaves, animals, I'll, and I'll eat the meat, and they're all happy with that. Yeah, and they're
1: all yoked. Like, when they do that flex thing, <laughs> I'm like, man, I need to spend more. I I mean, I don't ever skip leg day, but maybe I should maybe not skip a chest day every once in a
3: while. <laughs> They're going to please the girls somehow, haven't they? (laughs)
2: There's uh, there's the funny video of the dude boxing the kangaroo to protect his dog. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to save you from Nick
0: definitely has some hangups about the wildlife out there. Like, I'm, it's a
1: mixed bag of wanting to stay the hell away from it and wanting to, like, give it a hug. (laughs) So,
2: all right. So, what is the funny, do you have any funny or um, memorable interactions with fans?
3: The, not, not so much funny, but but occasionally heartwarming. I've received actually with brains, I've had a a couple of messages come through from people who've had kids who are you know, either reluctant or struggling readers and just saying that, you know, the kids have just devoured it. And, and that just, you know, that's like, oh, I just had this little glow on the inside. <laughs> it just feels so good because I remember as a kid, it, you know, it really took, just the right book at the right time to get me into reading. So, w- when I get those those sort of messages, that's just so nice.
2: Okay. So, this is the part of the interview, Robert, where you get to give us the Reader's Digest version of your bibliography. So, what all have you written?
3: So, Reader's Digest version, does that mean I just say, well, look, you know, I, I've stopped, I can't talk about it anymore because it died 10 years ago, or was that? Go. Going? is it? Reader's Digest still there? <laughs> I, all I remember is Reader's Digest being like these little books that you know, w- would be hanging around old people's houses um, in the toilet, like something for them to read. Um, oh, all right, all right, books, books. Let me talk about books and not toilets. Books, um, books, so th- the first one that I published was The Last Cruise Ship. Uh, that's a science fiction adventure for adults. I think I mentioned that before. Uh, essentially, what I wanted to do was take like the most worthless individual Um, and he accidentally does his job and then accidentally hijacks an interstellar ship and I just threw there's space battles, um, there's sort of touching moments, bit of humor and some really cool interaction with AI, um, that I just love playing with. Um, and then after that, that's when I got hooked on this, um, upper middle grade sort of thing. Um. And that um this first susie steel book I'm, I'm writing book two at the moment but um the first one the steel trap which is it's sort of like buffy the Sl- the vampire slayer for 12 year olds mixed in with ghostbusters and a bit of a, a bit of a spy novel sort of um in there as well That's cool. um and then uh came rebirth which is uh, the other one's talking about where it's sort of it's middle grade science fiction um it's set in australia uh, and it was, yeah, that mixture of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Terminator, and then sort of a, about a dozen low-budget kids shows where um, there's really low-budget Australian things, where it's always, you know, the kids against the adults. Um, and, and I just love that sort of um, when the kids are really by themselves um, and they just have to make it work. And then, of course, well, Brains, um, which just came out. Which I suppose you want to talk about, but um, <laughs> essentially it's a zombie apocalypse interactive adventure. Just rolls off the tongue there. So,
2: can you just imagine like this Urkel like setting with your last cruise ship where he accidentally hijacks a ship? <laughs>
0: I was like, Oops, no, I no. didn't mean to. No,
3: yeah.
0: I don't do cruise ships. They're happy fun houses of death on boat water. And they're ooh, awesome.
3: Ooh. But it's not just any cruise ship. that There's this reveal halfway through that I just, I can't say. But it's just, I like sit there the whole time writing. Yes, yes. You think it's this, it's this. Halfway through, everything's gone absolutely to terrible. I won't say what. It's all gone awful. And then all of a sudden, just bang, hit the, with with the, the core um, part of what, what the novel's really about. And I was like, yes, this is so good. So it's one of those where even, even if you hated my writing, whatever, you just you have to read to that 50% of the way through to get just the juicy bit.
2: All right. And so, while all of that sounds fascinating, you are right. We are here to talk about Brains, the first book in the Tangled Fates series. So, where did you get the premise for this universe? How did you come up with the idea for the series? Was it psychedelics, Ouija board? uh over exp- i don't know expired weird australian food i don't know what australian
1: food is i couldn't come up
2: with it blame
3: before. the vegemite blame the vegemite. there we go i
2: blame the
1: vegemite uh, oh, um, and now an 80s song is stuck in my head thank you
3: i do what i can so the cool thing about uh creating tangled Fates, the idea of having the series was to give me a chance to throw down these different ideas um, so it's more rather than a universe. It's more an approach to storytelling. So the idea is that each book has one core idea, and then I just tease it apart, bring it to life, seeing you know where we can take it. So especially for middle grade, this means not dumbing it down, not not just making it boring, simple little stuff where um, you know, snotty-nosed people are. Oh, this is suitable for little children. I uh, needed to. They have real oomph. Um, but I also wanted, if you can have all these cool things, uh, what I felt was a downside of a lot of these style of stories when I was young was that because you are the character, uh, that meant that the the actual story writing where where um, the events happen and that didn't really change who you were. And so what I, what I'm really trying to do with this whole concept is, To have an actual character arc for you as you go through all these different possibilities
2: okay that's a good answer so um good answer yeah so why did you (laughs) we had the clapping seal so why did you choose uh, (laughs) uh why did you pick a choose-your-own-adventure, although I know that's trademark, so pick your own path, whatever the, the term is generically. Why did you choose that as the venue, the medium to tell this
3: story? I was just about to get the red button and, and go, burr, burr, warning, warning, litigation alert, litigation alert. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, interactive adventure, game book, branching paths. There's it, that awkward thing of, you know, like you had you know, Xeroxing back in the day of photocopying and, and Googling, I suppose, is the modern equivalent where it's like, no, no, you, you really can't call it that because the company has many, many lawyers and lots and lots of money. Um, and please don't and come Netflix, after us. Netflix found out with um Bandersnatch, the Black Mirror Bandersnatch um, incident. Ah. Um, but honestly, JR, I have a feeling what really drove me initially was you. because um, oh. I know that you've been just every now and then looking at the concept and the structure, just, just you know, saying, Hmm, it would be interesting if, and then. Um, oh, I had,
0: they are motivated. Somebody.
3: <laughs> I, I had a um, a second child, and um, I've been doing the um, you know, the, the sort of stay-at-home dad equivalent while also trying to write. And I was like, "Hey, you know what? Lots of discreet little bits. This is something I could you know just tackle piecemeal, All right? It's going to be easy." Wow, I'm so stupid. <laughs> 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 it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> it's a lot of hard work, but at the time it seemed like it'd be really, really simple, and you know. And then, uh, like zombies are just—I always have zombies on uh, uh, my brain. The, the the first novel which I wrote um, that sort of became two novels because I didn't know how to finish anything um, that I haven't released was a zombie story. It's like two hundred thousand words. That's that's desperately looking for for a home, but that that's for another day. But zombies, there are just. You know, I love, um, you know, The Walking Dead. Um, back, the, um, I think it was Night of the Living Dead was the original black and white that was yep. just absolutely brilliant. And then you know, Zombie Land, um, uh, Dawn of the Dead, and uh, all these. I just Shaun of the Dead, love them. Oh, classic! I love Shaun of the Dead.
2: So I'm sharing the uh, the book cover of the Lone Wolf series, which is what got me. It's really pixelated. It's the biggest I can find. They're out of print at the moment. Um, you can buy them used on Amazon, but that's what got me into reading. Actually, is reading those choose your own adventure, and they were so much fun. But trying to figure out how to like organize that, and str- I'm picturing the serial killer scene where all the str- yarn is like tacked to all the different scenes on somebody's corkboard, trying to figure everything <laughs> out.
3: But it makes like, no sense.
2: And I, I've actually, I know a lady that wrote them um, for more mature audiences. Uh, cause she was at the 20 books conference I went to in 2018 and she was like, yeah, they're half the time you'll finish. And then you'll realize you've got two or three threads left open. So you have to go scrambled and link everything back. And <laughs> I'm like, if someone could just write a plug and play, like insert the storyline and it all, you know, like formula computer program, I'd totally try some, but
3: I, I, I didn't take that approach. I'd sort of, by doing a lot of the structural work to begin with, um, I didn't have missing endings. I did modify um, as I went through because, you know, occasionally you find bits or you're like, I've got to do this. I've got to try this because this would be so cool. Um, But I had so much of the structure developed uh, before I started, the actual writing of of the different scenes or segments or whatever you want to call them, um, that that wasn't too painful for me.
0: So I got to ask because I've only read – Two choose-your-own-adventure books. One was an adult one. It was actually a pern one, written by Jody Lynn (laughs) Nye. It was fantasy. Written by Jody (laughs) Lynn Nye. Not an episode
1: unless that uh, that quick point finger pops up from Doc over here.
0: And um, the other one was for um, Plants vs. Zombies, and which was which was meant for kids, but. I got really bored with it because it was like, unless you pick the second option almost every time you, you died like immediately.
3: It's like, you're dead. It's a, it's a hard balance because if you, a lot of those books as well, they're designed to have very narrow um, possibilities. So it's creating the illusion of choice without choice. Um, so I, while there are a lot of deaths possible um, within brains, I really wanted to actually give you a chance to, to explore the world. So, you know, you, you can make a whole bunch of different de- decisions that have all sorts of ramifications. They can you know, impact on who your companions are, on, on how they treat you, um, you know, on, on how the world ends up. Um, and th- and that's because I sort of, I had three main paths originally that were the, the key sort of, endings. And then as I sort of went along and filled out the segments that got you there, I sort of like, Oh, okay, here's a choice, branch off, branch off, branch off. And then sort of looking at, okay, well, I need to have some deaths here. This needs to be, you know, high risk and all that. And sort of started filling those bits out, but I didn't aim to begin with to just make it, you know, that you had to follow this path or that path. To get to a good end. Yeah. So, um,
0: how ahead, many storylines did you end up developing for the book, though?
3: That's a bit hard to say um, because there are, oh, no, no just, just because there are locations. So, there are the three main ones. And then there's uh, other sort of spots. There's like a you know, an airport sort of area that comes in, there's a whole set. By the docks that um, at a river, there's a police station. There's um, spots around um, a convoy that occur, um, theater stuff. So it's sort of um, th- there's uh, a pizza shop area. Make make the wrong pizza and and you die. Uh, oh oh this wow! This is the way.
2: <laughs> this is the way. He knows. He knows what doesn't belong on pizza. <laughs> yes,
0: they are. You don't count.
3: No spoilers She's there. Uh, but yeah. Uh,
0: pineapple is awesome on pizza only with olives
3: and jalapenos i i do love pineapple on pizza myself Uh,
2: Um i've got to find that
3: but yeah so sort of aside for those three main paths but then it's funny some of the sub paths really became their own adventures too so that that's why sort of i the normal word count for a lot of the um the ones are around 10 to 15,000 words and mine sort of goes much closer to 40,000, um, just because there were too many things to do. And, and again, I wanted to have the character side of things, whereas a lot of these to keep the word count low and to keep it moving, they just, you know, everything's so bare bones. Um, but yes, I'm an idiot. I made myself much more work.
2: Well, I think the reason they keep it bare bones is the joy of the choose your own adventure is it's you because you're making the stories, story choices, right? So by leaving some of those details out, just like why the Master Chief always keeps his helmet on because it could be you under there, right? You can visualize it yourself. There is
0: never you underneath there. Yep.
2: I mean, if they had a, like if they had like a short fat uh, maternity
3: version, sure, it could be me. So the reservist. Short- yes. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, that was his choose-your-own-adventure.
2: So I've actually seen I, when we were doing some of the research in our writing group for this, there's actually some romances where it's like the standard love triangle, only you get to pick. Like, you yeah. know, does she go with Bob or Jim or? I thought Denver that's what fiction was for. Well, apparently now it's for choose your own. Excuse me, pick your own path. Thank you for not suing us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, but yeah, so so yeah, in, in these game books, you you do yeah, they're quite um. I'm pretty sure there's a Jane Austen one um, as well, but um, one of the things that I did was to make sure that uh, the uh, the character's gender never matters in there as well. So I wanted you know girls to be able to read this, boys to be able to read it. I had to sort of set the age range a bit because that you know, the starting scenario is just different if you're you know a tiny kid, an older kid, teenager, or an adult. So beyond that i try and go as light-handed as possible with those sort of details just to give you that chance to to sort of lose yourself in it
2: okay uh whoever's got the blue questions
1: oh you know who it is cue that artwork brother
2: all right i'm i'm
1: on that all right
2: track like a vcr
1: oh that what? that is a horrible analogy Ch- tracking like a javelin <laughs> probably would have been better. Oh my god! It's not wire guided. It is up, not 1980s technology. Culturally insensitive, okay? You're culturally insensitive. Shut up. Put up the art. It's obvious. <laughs> <I'll have> <laughs> Before we dig in, let's let's take a look here because I uh that's a beautiful cover. So let's talk about the uh, the cover here, the artwork. Um, very sexy. Can you tell us a story of this? Um, did you have any input
3: on what the cover art was going to look like, or was it just yeah. kind of like based on whatever the publisher wanted? So I actually pulled this cover together myself. Um, nice. Uh, it's normally, um, it's definitely, it's it's best uh, to, to work with an illustrator these sorts of things. But one of the things is I wanted it to have a modern look. If you look at a lot of the interactive adventures that are out there, the covers, how do I put it? They're sort of cool, but they're really, really dated, um, yeah. and the, yeah. you know, they don't really give you that excitement. So, um, so that that was the key thing for me. I wanted to um, essentially take um, photo manipulation and um, you know, some careful illustration and just put it together to make something that felt alive which i know for an undead story is a bit silly but i wanted it to feel like there were things going on i wanted that action to be right there so um there's strong colors um in the background there's a crane which is a big part of one scene originally i wanted it to be a burning city but um you can't get many photos of burning cities for some reason um you no know, i, I uh, think we should burn you a you end up cities, on a watch list apparently and- <laughs> <laughs> you do you do. um and, and yeah obviously you need your zombies but the the zombie hippo is sort of the star of the cover um tell the, me the that's original, a, tell me
1: i encounter a zombie hippo
3: you you can encounter a zombie hippo my my favorite thing uh, actually the zombie hippo comes with this brilliant moral choice it it's wonderfully awful um Just, those are scarier but, Alive, not undead <laughs> Exactly, exactly I, Because that's, uh, it's, it's got this um, Those who are just listening It's got this fantastic open jaw And those tusks the, you know, the teeth are just horrifying um, oh. Originally I planned on Bringing a lot of the, the detail Right back out so it was much more Of a, of a silhouette But um, I brought it to the level it's at um, Lots of shadow and things And people just go, oh that's so good that's so horrible. Like, okay, I can't change that. I have to leave it as it it's is. really cool. It's
1: really actually it was the first thing that I noticed when I was looking at the show notes and the cover was on there. It was like, wait, I'm like, is that a is that a zombie hippo? <laughs> they're scarier. They're, they're scarier when they're not undead. Now they're undead.
3: <laughs> it like, it I is not the only people. zombie animal in there. Um, the, the, yeah, oh, I want to say things, but I can't until you've read it. They're just some of the the creatures. We, we that might have to do a follow up show after yeah. we all
1: read
2: it. Yes.
3: It's so like I a zombie don't... hippo. I'm like really want to get into.
2: I guess uh, Hasbro ruined hippos for me because every time I think hippo, I think hungry, hungry hippo, and it's just a little
3: game. Oh, this one's hungry. This one's hungry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I think I'm gonna buy the Hungry Hungry Hippo game and zombiefy all of the hippos on there and then just do like a TikTok of me playing it. <laughs>
2: that would be awesome. Make sure you tag his book. Oh,
3: absolutely. Oh yeah.
1: What, what am I a rookie here?
2: I'm
3: like, <laughs> so in a here? that's right. I oh, sort of, you know, where like they have these little begging bowls out, you know, tags and reviews, please, sir. Tags and reviews. Please, sir. Can I have some more? Can I, can I have a, a smidgen of a review, please?
1: Thank you. <laughs> five stars. It's five stars. Five stars. Bravo. Bravo. All right. Moving on to the book itself. Um,
3: what would your 30 second elevator pitch for this novel be? Okay, so what I'd say is because you have like, you've got two different audiences. You've got the adults you're trying to sell it to and the kids who want to read it. So for adults, essentially it's, it has adventures and thrills, it uh, just grabs your kids' attention. Uh, the tough choices hook them in, and the quality of writing—I'm going to put on my, my teacher hat here—enriches them. Right? It's not just you know the the um the comic book um with a few lines of writing in there. It's quality oh. quality writing the whole way. Even if I say so myself, Ooh, hurtful. I'm a comic book writer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Papa if you write comic <laughs> no, books, no, no, I, I, I get you're you, you're not writing um Diary of a Wimpy Kid, are you?
1: Uh, not yet. But if they want to throw me a bone and want
0: me to illustrate and write it, I'll do it. <laughs> but, but it's quality writing though. Cause that, that's the thing I've looked at some of these kids books and I'm like, yeah, that's going back on the shelf because I don't care if it's entertaining to you. The grammar right. is horrific. So the,
3: the, that weird thing of trying to you know bring in the kids, but, um, and that's like for publishers, they just want to sell books. All right, so if the kids read them, it's great. And look, there's nothing wrong with with reading popcorn. Right? There's nothing wrong with it. But it's good to have something a little bit more in there, something a bit meatier. Um, a little bit a little more substance. Yeah, okay. yeah. Or if you're a vegetarian, a bit more eggplanty or something. I don't know. Um, popcorn.
0: No popcorn works. I'm a
3: carnivore, it's a personal choice. But yeah, so- it
0: is uh definitely popcorn.
3: <laughs> so Brains, um, essentially, because it's got all of those things, it's great for reluctant readers, but also for readers that you know just love devour- devouring books. Um, and for kids, what I'd say to kids, if you're listening, all right, in this book, you matter. It's, it's your life that's on the line. It's your friends that need you. you know, you've got zombies closing in. If you make a mistake, they're going to have you chewed up and swallowed in no time. You know, so, yeah, you know, and you get to save the world, or you know, escape the city with your life. Uh, you might become you know, a beacon of hope in a savage land, um, <laughs> uh, and, and uh, you, know, know, you can be a hero, a heroine. But you know, when you read this, you better get yourself ready. That's uh, really the cool. dead are coming. And oh, and eat, <laughs> and eat your vegetables! All human. Eat your vegetables.
1: And eat your veggies, kids. Or drink your Ovaltine. <laughs> I don't know. Drink your team? A crummy commercial, son of a gun. <laughs>
2: All right. The next question is yours, Ranger Nick. Uh, of course it is. Quite right. Quite right. right.
1: What? What makes your what? I'm trying to find a way to phrase this here. Tiktok, Tiktok, and I've got it, bingo. <laughs> what makes your series special? What makes it unique? Oh, obviously, because I wrote it. Okay, good answer. (laughs) He is
3: so modest. Everyone says so.
1: I too am incredibly humble.
3: And you (laughs) don't, I have a zombie hippo. I'm going to set on you. Now, really, it's. I want a pet zombie hippo. I'm not even going to lie. It's about the breadth of the scenarios. It's. you know, it, it all logically flows. So um when you're going from you know one part of the adventure and then you go through another way, you still feel like you're in the same world, even if you're going through a different set of events. Um right. and I, I think that's that's often quite lost. And because it is, it's not just trying to funnel you down one path, you really just get that feeling that you know, that you're rewinding life and trying again when you go through a different approach um, and you know they can be so dramatically different it just gives you that chance to explore it um, yeah <laughs> I certainly make it hard for you though <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well I mean what's life without challenges right even in, exactly in reading you know and that's one of the things I love about the um, what since I can't say the phrase what do we call it interactive readership?
3: interactive adventure slash game book slash uh, whatever you those are one of the coolest things because i
1: I think it takes a lot more planning to to do that as opposed to a regular novel where the course is just laid out for you and you're just kind of like along for the ride instead of being in the ride and being an active participant in it those those are one of the things that i love most and unfortunately they don't make enough adult interactive
0: novels like
1: that Mm. so
0: what would you say that zombie brains hits on trope wise since tropes
3: in a zombie story? How could you suggest that? The no, um,
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> there's getting eaten. Uh, there's a shopping center in some of it. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't want that you know, the tropes to sort of drag me down a, a dark alleyway and, and eat me up. So, um, you know, so you've got, yeah, the zombie hippo, um, but uh, the, the crane walk, which which is not a zombie trope, but um, is I suppose very much a movie trope. Um, the oh, what else is there? I I don't know. Um, I I don't think pizza. You know, having a pizza of doom is particularly tropey. Uh, I, I'm sure it's all there. Like if someone else read through, they'd be able to go, oh, there's a trope. There's a trope. There's a trope. Um, in my um, in my zombie stories, they always have red glowing eyes i don't know why it's just no that's my thing for zombies i like it i think it's a cool thing so it's in there but yeah i just i didn't want to just tread down what had been there before i wanted to take those fun aspects of it and just throw out and see where where they went so i actually deliberately didn't do any zombie um reading or watching while i was putting it together So do they
2: sham? Do they shamble, or do they? How do they walk? Your zombies?
3: Yeah, they're not fast zombies. Um, There's uh, in in Susie Steel Two, which I shouldn't say too much about yet, but they have that has zombies, which sort of if they the closer they are to you, the faster that they will move. Um, But like really fast zombies, I think in reality, just it's over, it's done. I think you need to have some level, especially in a city. You need to have some level of um, of slowness to them just to give humans a chance.
1: Fair. Oh, w- so, would you say that the, the zombies in your world kind of like conserve their energy, kind of like, uh, like predators in the wild, like a wolf?
3: That That's it's an interesting thing because I, when, when I was thinking about zombies, it's like, okay, at a certain point, are you sort of looking at an internal logic as to, to how they function, or is it essentially are they powered by magic? Um, and that's I think it makes sense. Um, like in the other story, they're the, the different type of zombies, so I'm sort of I don't want to get too far into that. In this one, it, it, it's just pure, um, the, the, there's a sciencey logic behind it, but when you encounter them, it's just a matter of you know, you're, you're a glowing beacon. And they want to eat that bacon because it's a bit like bacon. Bacon is good. I'm here all week. Don't forget to tip the waiter. Uh, Uh, Bacon on a taco.
0: Speaking (laughs) of tipping, we do have, if you are so inclined, a Buy Me a Coffee account that will be in the show notes. Since you said tipping, I will go with that as an opening.
1: (laughs) I think we should have a hashtag of Buy Me a Bacon.
0: Buy Me a Bacon.
1: Are you going to start
2: the website? Because, I mean, somebody has to run that thing.
1: smoke. All right, then never mind. Buy me a coffee and I'll use the money for bacon. (laughs) 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 Run a website. I can barely manage my life. You want me to run a website?
0: Anyways. I don't
1: adult too well.
0: (laughs) Tell us about the main character. Is there a main character in this kind of a story?
3: Well, that, that's sort of what we were talking about before, um, in a way, in that the main character is you. Okay. So I try and keep as hands Love off when I'm as the main possible. And then... So hopefully you're pulling yourself back in as, as a kid. But th- there are sort of certain features that had to be there. So I had um, you are a new kid um, at a school and you've sort of got a couple of almost friends, you know, but you haven't yet really sort of um, created those relationships yet. Um, And depending on on what you do, then you can end up with entirely different people. It all just comes down to the decisions that that you make. Like
1: you'd end up in different groups, like different survivor groups?
3: Yeah, yes.
1: Oh, wow. That's really cool.
0: So So, do you have any main characters that are particularly cool that you want to talk about? Or not main characters, secondary characters. Sorry.
1: Characters that are awesome that you want to talk about.
3: I, I have one kid called Tao who who just makes the worst jokes all the way through. So if you're going on any of the paths with him, you just get all my bad jokes. Um, like there, I'll give you what one. So you get eaten by a zombie at a certain point when he can't help you, and he says, "I'm sorry, it's too late." <laughs> I just, I, I, I it's popped in my head, and I just couldn't stop myself. Um, so that's in there. But I have um, there's a, a police yeah, officer awesome. character called called Robinson, um, who you can encounter in in two different areas and get sort of different results coming through. But her partners, um, died, um, not that long before, and so just yeah, the the whole different sets of relationships that you can have with her. Um, I, I love lots of fun. That's awesome! I can't
1: wait to read. Me. Two to three days, Amazon. I'm, I'm the timer <laughs> the timer has started.
0: See, Barnes and Noble, you could have gone in the ebook.
1: I get it in the ebook too, but I, I like things in my hand. I like to actually physically hold them when I read them. I feel a connection between myself and the author. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> that sounds
0: like okay. Jerry, that's the question.
1: So does
2: your story have any bad guys, or is it just the universe itself that's the bad guy?
3: Yeah, so they're, they're, of course, all the zombies. Um, they're a major part of the bad guy as a universe sort of thing, um, like the environment that, that's your enemy. But there is a school bully that's also in the class group called um, Wild. Um, Wilden's his last name, but everyone calls him Wild. And if you go off down that arc, th- there's a whole set of possibilities um, where, where things can get really nasty between the two of you um uh i will say that that involves the zoo but but i'll leave it there so harambe
2: can eat your face because he's a zombie now i gotcha (laughs) all right so we will move on before we have to get that visual image out of our head and we'll ask you this so You've done horrible things to the universe, and by extension, horrible things to the main characters and secondary characters. So if they ever met you in a dark alley, exactly how screwed would
3: you be? Well, it's pretty obvious. They're all going to be zombies. So I'm dead. I'm eaten. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, then, if you're become a zombie, as a newly <coughs> mentioned zombie, who's the first person you're going to eat? You! Ooh. I think it has to be someone nice and juicy, you know. If I'm going to make all the effort to groan and drag myself along, I want a good big feed at the start.
1: All right. I mean, I guess that for myself is tribute, but whatever.
3: He says, "Run, Tubby, run!" All right. Okay.
1: Never mind then. It's not going to be me. I'm I'm only Tubby from like here to like the waist, and I look like a gorilla.
2: All right. So, but this isn't about you. This is about. The one, is the it only, not a legendary me? Robert R. Max Tilsley. So, Robert, uh, let's give a sneak peek of how the sausage was made. Were there any cool scenes that you had to cut from this book because of your re- word limit that, um, that you really thought were awesome and want to use later?
3: Oh, so the, um, the classic, yes, my, my 15,000 that became almost 40,000. Yeah. Um, probably the biggest area, um, is, is an airport. Um, there's so much I wanted to do in the airport, but it was just, it was going to become you know, another 10,000 words or so worth of choices. So I really had to, to pair that back to, to where I wanted it to be.
2: So given the, the way you wanted to make this even more immersive with uh, with the size, et cetera, do you ever foresee yourself going back and doing a choose your own adventure for adults?
0: You mean create your own path?
2: yes
3: <laughs> your own kitchen, man we're not making enough monetarily you need to beat that out now um uh, um for adults, it really all this just it comes down to the the classic market forces i've got so many things that i'd like to do it's going to come down to what sells and then if if, if um if this takes off and going oh I, I want this but can you do one that's you know um, even more horrific or, or that covers this or that you know absolutely but but I need to, to know I need the reviews I need the sales so you know. the, the sad fact of reality is that that you know that drives what's possible um, but I will definitely be doing um, within this series uh, another one um i've got a few actually where i've got um half the structures put together because you sort of slowly build up the structures and then when it's ready that's when you get into the no the real words um but there's one that's technology based there's another classic monster one that's going on as well it's just yeah oh so many projects which do you do first that's awesome and then
2: soon nick is going to try to convince you to write a comic book with him it happens
3: yeah. Well, I I grew up on like Asterix. Uh, do you get over the Asterix and Oblix? I don't know if that's a thing that you guys see much of no. um, over there. It, I think it was originally Spanish, um, but it, it's set um, around Roman times around you know, France slash Gaul. Um, and there's this tiny little village that's resisting the entirety of the Roman army because it has um, a magic potion that gives them incredible strength um and and it's oh, it's yeah. filled with wordplays and so this is like I when I'm dissing certain books I'm not dissing the the medium it's that you know sometimes publishers just seem to churn out stuff without a lot of thought um but the thing if I can
1: convince you to write a comp with me I am the publisher and I really just let anything fly so <laughs> yeah.
2: if I'm works, like oh, that sounds really good. cool let's do
1: that like you sure it's going to be like a 66-page graphic novel. I'm like, that's awesome. Let's do this. light. If it weren't yeah,
2: for I'm, low I'm standards, like, you'd have no standards at all. <laughs>
1: hey, you lower your standards, you raise your average, okay?
0: <laughs> that's not how that works.
1: That's exactly how it works. I love that artists fully explore their creative space. That's how I roll. And, I, and I've gotten some success <laughs> out of it. Not a whole lot, but, you know. I, t- I take the winds where I can. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> what can you tell us about uh, the universe? In many series, the uh, the world where the story is told is, m- is just as much as a character as the protagonist, which is the reader in-, in this series. So why don't you give us a hint of what we can expect from this
3: expansive world you've created? So the weird thing about this, I think, does go into that. Because each time it's its own scenario, um, I definitely... Um, uh, uh, there, there might be you know, hints and connections between things when it makes sense. Um, but what I try and do is not set it um, so concretely that people can't put themselves into it. So like if I said it in Australia, that might make an American we- reader feel you know, that's not them. Um, and the same if I said it in the UK or, or, or all those sort of things. So it's really all about um, creating that same feeling, which is that, you know, that there are high stakes, that it, that it it feels really deep, um. You no, know, and, and and that you know that there are no no guardrails, so that that's sort of really about the universe. The actual individual scenarios will change all of the window dressing, um, for sure. But you no, know, but the feel should be there.
1: Right. Uh, it, a term I I like to use when. You know to describe everything that you've just just talked about is an, an us world so yeah. there's like there there's no delineation between different regions or cultural norms or anything like that you'd like anybody yeah. can pick it up and just feel like they're they're part of the story yeah that's uh, really cool i like it i like it too i can't wait to read <laughs> this book i i really can't um, two to three days. Never felt so long. <laughs> uh, who is the blue questions? Because that's next. You know it's dude. I was. Why do you got to do that? Why you got to embarrass me Feel there, blue right? now. Yeah, I should feel blue. Jr. If I ever meet you in person. Oh boy. I will just protect
2: <laughs> myself with my blue cord of life.
1: Just curl up in a ball like a bear. <laughs> Brains is clearly part of his series. Um, I know because it says so on Amazon, which I just ordered the book. Shameless plug and you're welcome for
3: my money All right. it's
1: probably from what Yay. you described i i feel it's gonna be an amazing read Well um, in
3: australian dollars like one book sales like five billion dollars i i can own entire states now are you
1: kidding me oh my god yeah <laughs> and, uh, only a little bit the the money in australia is probably worth more than the american dollar right now <laughs> uh, okay so um there's currently one book out in the series so is their story done will there be more from the characters where do you see this going what's next
3: yeah so there's definitely i I think i I mentioned it before that there's a little bit of a um that it will be their own things i do have ones in development the one i'm sort of really thinking about right now um is technology based um and all i'll say is that there's a pair of movies. Certainly the first one was was all through my, my childhood um, and that was Tron.
1: Mm.
3: And that's that's all I'm saying. I cannot say anymore. Good movie choices. I love Tron. We're glad
2: to see Australia had good picks for you.
3: Yeah, the kangaroos had to bring them over from the ships and, and all, but, they're but we just, did get they're an more. island. They're
1: not in the dark ages,
2: man. <laughs> I mean, it was a penal colony, all right? I, I don't
1: know. That's why I (laughs) say it.
2: European, Texas. Uh, All right. Save me from myself and ask the next question. (laughs) The next question is yours, dude. No, the next question is green.
0: I know. I said what I
1: said, JR.
0: (laughs) So, every literary universe has its own rules that are consistent science, technology, magic. I don't know what's Fueling and making your zombies zombies, um, but what should we expect in the way of tech slash magic from your book series?
3: Greatly varying depending on um, the 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 core scenario. Um, so when when there's. Um, when there's a uh, say virtual reality, which I, I don't know if that will be in anything, but, but if so, um, that will become, you know, a key part of all of the story. Um, the visuals that, that come along with the tech, um, really matter too, because I, I think for it to come alive, you really have to, to create that image to really just smash it into the reader's head. You know, so that they don't know it's happening, but, but they just feel themselves in it. Um, yeah, and that's probably all that makes sense, I suppose. Um, until I, I actually sort of can talk about the specifics.
0: So, is there any piece of science or magic in this that you would steal and use or abuse in real life? From
3: oh the well, the brains book. Oh, the the brain- it would be. It would be the, the core cool conceit in this type of game book, and that's that you can go back and try again and try something different. Ugh. How how good would that be in life? <laughs> I, I'd be sitting there in a pack of chips. Oh, that was great. Oh, really? Now my waist isn't gonna like that. I'm gonna rewind. I've had the experience, but I now don't have to eat those chips.
0: <laughs> nice. Oh, chips. I like that. So um one sec. we already did the in your universe are there any other fantastic creatures in the brains books other than the zombies
3: um well within this one i suppose if we say other than zombies if i can say other than human zombies yes absolutely um i have uh well what can i say there's a zebra zombie which which, um has one of my my um scenes that most tickles me <laughs>
0: so are all animals capable of being zombies in your world then
3: ah there is through an arc that you'll discover that there are um limitations on that um okay. but i won't say what they are but no not not every single um creature could be um okay. but so yes yeah, so when I
1: that's awesome.
3: Yeah, so that, but it is in fact one of the things the character questions early on. Um, I think one of them asks um, partway through somewhere uh, whether or not, you yeah, know, could you have a slug zombie?
2: So if we keep going, don't make going, me afraid if, of slugs. <laughs> if we keep going, this interview could last hours because we all like zombies and pick your own path stories. Uh, Doc really loves the zombies. You should send her all the love via zombie memes, etc., to her email. At I'm gonna at spam at Doc with every zombie Blasters
1: photo I come across. Podcast. But anyway, so especially if I find a breastfeeding zombie one.
2: That was a story that was told off air. So if you don't get it, you should just send her that that email to ask her at Saska at Lasters and Blake podcast. But. Um, so if you want to know more, answer all the questions we didn't ask, then you should go buy the book and read it. And don't forget to rate, re- review it, obviously. Um, but was there anything that uh, we didn't ask about brains in the larger pick-your-own-path, tangled-path um, universe that, that you wanted to tell us before we move on?
3: Um, I suppose, really, uh, first of all, it's worth noting that there is an ebook book um, version as well as a print book. Uh, it's not available in yeah. um, in Kindle Unlimited because of the way that they track, um, who, you know, the way they track people reading it. Um, having links which could jump you through a book um, backwards and forwards could confuse their systems. And one thing that you never do is anger the Almighty Amazon. Um, so it, it's available through Amazon, but not through Kindle Unlimited. Um, and really, just the other thing is. That yes I wrote it for this sort of you know 10 plus kid range but adults absolutely love it. Um, as a family when we were going through testing it, um, we went through and we had to go through all of the combinations but uh, just as a family reading it out um, having my wife and, and older daughter sit there and you know discuss which option they're going to take and why. Um, it was just a ton of fun. So if you're an adult and you love zombies or, you know, you might feel a little bit of nostalgia, it's also for you. So in.
2: All right. So I, you did just tell us your battery was at like 15%, so we can't gab forever. So uh, as we bring this puppy to a close, can you uh, tell us how listeners and or viewers can find you on the wild, wild woolly web?
3: <gasps> They're coming after me. Um, so, it's not by smell. Um, if you go to, uh, black com, you can, um, you can catch me there. That, that's my, on the website that has all you now some character details and some book details. And if you're in Australia there, you can order an autographed copy. Sorry for international readers, but it just costs so much to ship from Australia. You wouldn't want to get one. Um, and apart from that, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the, um, with the name R Max Tilsley, and that's T I double L S L E Y, because apparently we got all the Ls you could ever want. Um, really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you're an L hoarder. All right, I got it. So, and you
2: can find us on the internet with our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades. Our Twitter at SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. You can send your hate mail to Seska at Uh, blastersandblades.com. Our zombies. Yeah, and and Zombie, our Facebook group is facebook.com backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. You can support the show at Buy Me a Coffee backslash author J.R. Hanley. And be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast. And you can also support us over there at anchor.fm. And all of these links will be in the glorious show notes that you should check out. Uh, And now, Mm -hmm. Doc, it's time for you to bring us home
0: thank you for spending your precious time with us for Nick Garber the confused JR Hanley I'm Ceca and this was the blasters and blade podcast we'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture cheesy jokes fandom and seeing if jr can finally tell the difference between sci-fi and fantasy <laughs>
1: and and my sobriety Ooh,
0: nobody can tell the difference
1: all right
2: that's the